I've realized uh, over the years that there are two types of people in this world when it comes to uh, long road trips. And uh, I am the type of person on a long road trip that I don't like any distractions. I like to just get there. This is why I've never understood Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Cracker Barrel is this place where somebody goes and stops and eats for an entire hour and delays their trip. Uh, there are some people out there that love that. Uh, there's, uh, there are people like me that don't like that at all. Unfortunately, everyone out there is, is not like me. Well, this morning's passage uh, is about a very intentional meal uh, that happened while on a road trip. And uh, I'm going to be reading from Luke uh, chapter 24, verses 13 uh, to 35. You can follow along uh, in your Bibles, on the screens, or in your bulletin. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel." Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with him gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word. Thank you that you speak powerfully through it. We thank you for the story of these these men whose hearts burned as a result of hearing your scriptures, and we pray the same for us here this morning. And it's in Christ's name that we pray it. Amen. 
Uh, over the past couple weeks, uh, if you've been with us, you'll know that uh, we've been looking uh, at mostly at the Gospel of Luke and how uh, the Gospel of, of Luke uh, uses kind of the motif of meals uh, to tell the story uh, about Jesus. In fact, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, he's either teaching at a meal, or he is coming from a meal. And many of those meals were uh, incredibly controversial, and Jesus used them as occasions to teach things. Uh, Robert Karras, who's one of the commentators, um, said that ultimately it was who Jesus chose to dine with that eventually was the thing that got him killed. And as we've looked throughout this series, we've seen that, that many people's lives were changed because they sat and feasted with Jesus. We looked at Levi, we looked at uh, Mary and Martha, we looked at uh, Zacchaeus, all people whose lives were profoundly changed because they had an opportunity to feast and to dine with Jesus. So because of that, it's really only, it's only appropriate that Luke tells after the resurrection, one of the first things that Jesus did was have a meal with two men. Men whose lives, just like everybody else, whose lives were changed because they had an opportunity to feast with Jesus. One commentator said this, he said, The revelation or disclosure of Jesus was revealed in the intimate breaking of bread. So in many ways, in Jesus is just picking up right where he left off. Just as before the resurrection, he was dining with others just after the resurrection, he begins to dine with others once again. I don't know about you, but whenever, whenever my family uh, gets together to have a meal, and we try to do this every night, uh, we gather at the table, and uh, we often think that it's a very simple thing with meals, but often when we gather together as a family, there's a lot of things that are going on at the dinner table. Uh, if it's a good night, people are talking with one another, uh, we are laughing together, everybody's kind of falling over one another to tell all sorts of stories about what happened that day. There's a lot going on when we share a meal with one another. And there's a lot that's going on at this table over this shared meal in this passage. And what I'd like to do is to just briefly look at four different things that are happening at this meal that Jesus shares with these two men. And the first thing that we see is that this table is a table of illumination. It's a table of illumination. And you can see that in verse 27. It says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. I can tell you that uh, as a religion professor, as somebody who, who works in the Scriptures, uh, Almost daily, as somebody who kind of wrestles with the meaning of the Scriptures almost daily, this is a conversation that I would have loved to have overheard. You see, these two men had grown up hearing, reading, and wrestling with the Scriptures. And the Scriptures that they, that they had learned and wrestled with were probably about, about as close to our version of the Old Testament that we read today. The, the, the Torah, the prophets, all those things together. That's what these men had grown up learning. And they were now struggling to figure out what it all meant. 
what it all meant, those scriptures that they had learned their entire lives, and, and what that meant in light of their time following Jesus Christ. And so what Jesus does is he engages in a very lengthy, kind of slow walk conversation with them over the journey, telling them how Jesus himself or how he himself was really the climax or the point of all the scriptures they had heard and learned their entire lives. All the stories, all the history, all the prophecies, all the revelations, they were ultimately all about him. They were pointing to him, the climax of God's great story of redemption. And I think this means something for us as well. I think what it means for us is that for us to study the Scriptures, both the Old Testament like they had, and the New Testament which we have today, to study the Scriptures and to not see Jesus as the main point is to totally miss the climax and the meaning of all of the Scriptures. I don't know if you can think back to your middle school years, but I can remember some of my middle school years, and I can remember uh, in 7th and 8th grade uh, literature class, they would start exposing us to Shakespeare. And I, I, I grew later in life to really appreciate Shakespeare, but I had to be a little bit older before I could really appreciate it. And I can remember, uh, I think it was in 7th grade, they had us read Macbeth, and I can remember for homework starting to read Macbeth and having absolutely no clue what was going on whatsoever. I couldn't understand the English. I couldn't understand the plot. And then you'd get to, to class, and the teacher would start to interpret the very things that you read. And I'd sit there, remember, that was what was being said. That was the point of all that was being written there. I had no clue what was happening. And in some ways, I always think about that middle school student when I think about this passage in the Scriptures and what these men were confronted with. Because, friends, for for someone to subtract the person of Jesus Christ from the pages of Scripture is actually to miss the entire point, just like I was back there in that seventh grade English class. For us to not center our understanding of the Scriptures on the person of Jesus Christ is to miss the climax of the story of those Scriptures and ultimately to miss the climax of all of human history. You see, Jesus illumines the Scriptures to us, showing us Himself. But we also have to recognize that Jesus is telling us that He is made known through the study of the Scriptures as well. Isn't it interesting that the risen Jesus still uses the Scriptures to make himself known. You see, when he's on the road with those disciples, he doesn't engage in a systematic theology lesson. He doesn't give them a a lesson of ethics and morality. He doesn't fill their time with cute illustrations and stories. Instead, what he does is he makes himself known through the vehicle of the Scriptures. And the same is true for you and I today. If you and I want to find Jesus, if we want to know who Jesus is, then we find him in the Scriptures. One of the commentators said this. He found it interesting that Jesus chose to conduct a Bible study. 
And if the risen Christ on that first day made himself known through his word, then shouldn't we suppose that he will not make himself known in any other way to you and I? You see, friends, as a church, if we want to know Jesus, we have to remain faithful to his scriptures. We could easily gather each Sunday and and share cute illustrations and stories that provide us with an ethical or moral framework for life. We could offer three easy steps on fulfillment in life. We could be an affirming environment that motivates us to go out from here every Sunday and tackle the challenges of life. But if we move away from the Scriptures, then we move away from Jesus Himself. In fact, the thing that makes this thing called the church different than any other institution in the world is Jesus. And what this passage tells us is that we find him in the scriptures. So this table is a table of illumination, but what we also see is that it is a table of reconciliation. Look at verse 30. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sights. Now, we don't know for sure all that is going on here, but we can make some guesses as to what these men were doing that day. We know that these men were not part of the apostles, those uh, most intimate twelve, But we do get the sense that they were disciples of Jesus Christ. They were one of the many who followed Jesus during his three-year public ministry uh, here on earth. We do know for sure that they were troubled. The passage tells us that much. We know that they were wrestling with everything that they had just witnessed. The, The arrest of Jesus, the betrayal of Jesus, and ultimately the crucifixion of Jesus. And we know that they were also wrestling with several reports that Jesus had somehow miraculously risen from the dead. We also know that in many ways that their hopes had been dashed, that they were probably wrestling with the fact that that all their time that they had spent with Jesus may have been years and years of waste. And what we can also kind of figure out is that they were running away from it all. Even though they had heard their reports that Jesus had been risen, they were getting away from Jerusalem. They were getting as far away as they could. Maybe they were heading back to their old lives because in many ways, because of what they had seen, they had lost their faith. They were turning tail and they were running home back to their old lives. But isn't it interesting that despite that, despite their probably apparent lack of faith, Jesus revealed himself to them while they were wrestling with the imperfections of their faith. And what it tells us is that Jesus longs to be reconciled even with those who had lost their faith. In fact, what you realize that after Jesus resurrected, he doesn't necessarily visit people who we would call strong in faith. He doesn't just seek out those who had managed to hold it all together and then he congratulated them on a job well done. Instead, we get the sense that Jesus seeks out those that were struggling with their faith. 
He visits Thomas and he says, look at the scars in my hands and on my side. And he reconciles with Thomas and confirms Thomas's faith, even though he had been full of doubts. John chapter, one tells, John chapter 21 tells a story about how Peter had denied Jesus and yet Jesus confronts him after the resurrection and reconfirms him in his love for him and solidifies his faith. You see, what you get a sense of is that Jesus, as the risen Savior, actively seeks out those people who were weak and imperfect in their faith, those that abandoned him in many ways, and he sought to reconcile and restore them in their faith. And what it reminds us is that the strength of our faith is not dependent upon us. Instead, the strength of our faith is dependent on the object of our faith, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus longs to walk with, to reconcile, and to strengthen the faith of those who struggle and wrestle. Reminds us that we don't have to have perfect faith in order for Jesus to come to us. Instead, He visits us in the midst of our weakness and in the midst of our imperfection. This was a table of reconciliation. And because it was a table of reconciliation, it was also a table of hope. Verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to, uh, to us the scriptures? I want to put, uh, Rachel's going to put an image up here. Uh, hopefully you can see that a little bit. I realize it's a little dark. This is a, a photo that I uh, had stumbled on uh, this week as I was preparing the message. And it was from, it's a photo that's from, uh, or a painting from, from uh, 1618 by the artist Diego Velasquez. I'm probably saying that wrong. And uh, the, the painting is called uh, The Kitchen Made with the, with the Supper of Emmaus. And it was uh, painted in 1618. And uh, as you look at the photo, you can see, or the, not, the, the painting, you can see on the very left uh, an image of Jesus dining with, with one of those disciples from the road to Emmaus. But uh, the, the painting focuses our attention uh, on the maid who is in the center. And what the, the artist wants us to do is almost see her astonished look at the fact that she has just overheard a, congrega- a conversation that suggests that she had just served a meal to someone who was dead and had now been risen from the grave. And uh, the, the, the photo shows her kind of tight, or the, the painting shows her kind of tidying up after this meal. And, and the artist's intent is to center our, our focus on her face and also the rag that is in front of her, in many ways saying that the old world has collided with the new. But what was so interesting about this, this painting is that right after it was painted, uh, the painting was altered uh, when it was purchased by a new owner. And when the painting was altered, the Emmaus scene that you can see to the left there was covered over entirely. Uh, In some ways, they folded it over or however it was so that all you could see was the maid and her astonished look. 
And that's the way it was displayed for so many years until 1933, someone acquired this painting, and when they were having it cleaned, they discovered that a whole section of it had been folded over, that whoever had owned it before wanted to remove the whole biblical scene, and then they discovered that there was this great scene of the Emmaus story. They restored it as best as they could, but still one of the disciples to the left of Jesus couldn't even make it uh, into the restored version. Peter Leithart, who is a, a writer and a theologian, found that really interesting. He found it interesting because as a culture, we would like to remove Jesus. But when we do, we remove all hope for humanity. He said this, Our culture has removed the transcendent, the divine, the eschatological, and what we are left with is washing up. We're left with rags. Uh, friends, throughout this week, as I've thought about what happened culturally um, in, the, in the city of Las Vegas, and as I've even reflected on this, this painting that I discovered each week, I've reflected on all the things that people have said in our culture, in our world, uh, throughout the week. They've thought things like, how could such events be prevented? Or how could something have happened when there were no motive or warning signs? And it has left many in our culture, in our world, feeling that there just is no hope for our culture. And what this painting reminds us is that apart from Christ, they are right. Apart from Christ, there is no hope. There is no hope for sin to be overcome in our lives. There's no hope for sin to be overcome in our world. And in many ways, because of that, we are just left with rags, as the one author stated. But if Christ is risen, if that picture is taken in its full completion, then there is hope. There is hope that our sin can be forgiven through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. There is hope in the face of death. There is hope that God will one day make right all that has gone wrong in this world. You see, this is a table of hope that is restored. And finally, the last thing that we see is that this is a table of mission. Verse 33, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. You see, these disciples were weak in their faith. They were disciples who had turned tail and ran away when things didn't go as they were planned or as they were expected. But now, having dined with Jesus, they became witnesses, powerful witnesses to the risen Christ. They were heralds of what they had seen and heard. Their hearts burned within them, and that propelled them back into Jerusalem. It propelled, propelled them back into the fray. These disciples, disciples who had lost their faith, were now restored and then propelled back into mission. And friends, God calls us to the same thing. We are to be people on mission 
because of the risen Christ. So as I said before, at our meals at our home, there are lots of things that are going on. There are prayers, there are laughter, there's elaborate stories, there's drinks, there's lots of spilled drinks. There is a lot going on, a lot of shared experiences. And the same is true of this meal that we just read about. Illumination, reconciliation, hope restored, mission were all found around this table and lives were transformed. And friends, that is what happens when we encounter Jesus. We are never the same again. So whenever we pray that Lord's Prayer, which we do from time to time in worship services, we come to that one little phrase that says what? Give us today our daily bread. And when we pray that, we pray not just that God would provide our need, for our needs, but when we pray that, we pray that Jesus would be revealed to us. So let's pray.